we thank you, Father. We thank you this evening, Lord. We thank you this evening, dear Jesus. We thank you, Holy Spirit of God. Hallelujah. We thank you, Daddy. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. Hallelujah. We bless the Lord this evening. We worship the Lord. We praise his name. We adore his name. We worship that name that's above every other name, the name of Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, our Lord and our Savior. Hallelujah. And he's coming back soon and very soon for his people. Thank you, Daddy. Can we put our hands together tonight? And give God, hallelujah, a clap offering. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. God is so good. Well, Church of Jesus Christ, wherever you are at around the world, uh, we are coming to you live from the worldwide headquarters of Agape House of Worship in Roselle, New Jersey. Agape House of Worship is indeed a family with uh, church locations, with family church locations in Houston, Texas, in Charlotte, North Carolina, and right here in the historical city of Roselle. And on behalf of our pastors, Pastors G-Day and Bimbola Lowry, we just want to invite you to uh, tonight's midweek Bible study. Uh, I am your humble servant, Pastor Hubie Barrios, and it is my honor, my honor and my privilege to be able to preside over tonight's Bible class. Amen. God bless you all. The, uh, the title of tonight's Bible class is The Marks of a Disciple. Does everyone that's in the house today have a copy of the uh, class notes. If you don't, uh, I'm going to ask Brother David to please help us out and uh, pass out uh, the class notes to all of those who will be in attendance tonight. The class notes are also available on our website, www.ahowfc.org, and you can access them uh, online. Amen, amen. So without further ado, uh, let's begin tonight's Bible class. As I said, the title of tonight's class is The Marks of a Disciple. And uh, I would say about uh, probably about a, a year ago, right, uh, or some time ago, uh, I was part of the first group of uh, disciples uh, that came through, during, uh, through the discipleship class uh, that we commenced here at Agape House of Worship uh, a little over a year ago, and uh, the Lord has uh, placed it upon our pastor's heart uh, for us as a church, for us as a body of believers, to intentionally and purposefully pursue uh, this uh, spiritual discipline of discipleship, of this commandment of the Lord Jesus Christ to his church to his people to go, to go and evangelize, to go and preach the gospel around the world, to go and preach the gospel in our backyard, in our neighborhoods, in our cities, in our jobs, in our workplace, in our 
schools and the supermarket on the way, wherever we find ourselves, to go, to go and preach the gospel, to baptize in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and to make disciples, uh, teaching all men uh, to keep the Lord's commandments. And um, this is indeed, uh, has been a journey for the past year. We are continuing this journey of discipleship. And on behalf of uh, the ministry here, we want to invite you as well to come along on this discipleship journey uh, with us. And as we do so together as a church, as a body of believers, we will be blessing and glorifying and worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ, number one. And number two, we will be fulfilling the great commission uh, that he has uh, ordained and commanded us to do. In other words, we'll be, being, we'll be together as we go and make disciples, we'll be a blessing unto those around us. So, without further ado, let's begin uh, tonight's Bible class. And I'm just going to ask you to read along with me tonight. I have several questions uh, here. I can't wait to ask the questions. Uh, I just want to set the questions up real quick. Uh, the questions here are designed uh, to um, help us, to help us point the guns of criticism inward. <laughs> Too many times as believers, we point the guns of criticism uh, you know, towards our neighbor, to the person next to us, to the brother or the sister to the left or to the right of us. Uh, but very seldom do we point the guns of criticism towards ourselves. Very seldom do we place our own lives under the lens of Scripture so that Scripture itself can reveal to us, you know, who it is, who we are in Christ, who it is that we are at the moment. Um, very seldom do we turn the lens of criticism towards ourselves so that we could see our own heart and our own spiritual state and condition. So I just pray that as we go through this class uh, of the marks of a disciple, I will be teaching uh, the first part today or tonight, uh, this Wednesday, and my lovely wife, Maria Yvette Berrios, she will be teaching on next week, next Wednesday, uh, the second part of the Marks of a Disciple. But I pray that uh, we are all blessed uh, together tonight as we uh, uh, delve deep into this topic. So let us read. A famous missionary by the name of Stanley Jones. Has anybody ever heard of Stanley Jones? Stanley Jones was a famous missionary uh, to the nation of India. And on one occasion, he met Mahatma Gandhi, Mahatma Gandhi and he asked Mahatma Gandhi uh, the following question. He asked him, how do we evangelize India? How do we evangelize India? The following was Gandhi's answer. He said, I don't reject your Christ. He goes on to say, I love your Christ. It is just that so many of you Christians are so unlike your Christ. This is uh, coming from a, 
a man that's looking from the outside in. And when he, when he looks from the outside into the church, when he looks from the outside as an outsider at the lives of Christians, those who profess to be followers of Christ, he says very plainly and very bluntly, very matter-of-factly, it is just that so many of you Christians are so unlike your Christ. Wow. If Christians would really live according to the teaching of Christ, Gandhi continued, as found in the Bible, all of India would be Christian today. Now, I, I, come, I begin with this uh, little piece of uh, Christian history, right? Because it is so relevant even today. Because if you could strike the name of Mahatma Gandhi and put in another person's name, maybe your neighbor, maybe a co-worker, maybe a, a person who you go to school with, maybe uh, someone who you, uh, you know, uh, uh, carpool with or uh, uh, travel on public transportation with, put their name in the place of Mahatma Gandhi. And I get the sense, I get the feeling that they will be saying the same thing. Amen. Let's um, go into some definitions. I love definitions. I love to study and find out what words mean. If words are powerful in any way, they are powerful because words have definition. Because words mean something. Amen. So let's look at this word mark a little closer. Amen. Let's look at the word mark a little closer. Mark defined. A mark is a visible impression. It is a visible impression. It is also a stain, right? A stain that is on something. It is a, a mark that is on something. A notch that is on something. Amen? When you, uh, earlier today, I was in uh, New York City, and there was a, a little fender bender, okay? And the police had to come and tow the car away because um, it was in an accident. But guess what, Pastor B? I didn't witness the accident. But I witnessed the impression that the accident left. And you know what I said? I said, that car must have been in an accident. <laughs> this is a mark. This is an obvious mark. It's an obvious notch. It's an obvious impression that lets everyone know that that vehicle was in a vehicular accident. So this is what mark means. This is what an impression means. This is what a stain means. It is visible. It is a scar. It is a blot. It is a notch that allows someone uh, who is observing the impression or blot or notch to come to the understanding and conclusion that something happened here. Something happened. Amen. The second definition is uh, of a mark. It, it means that it is a written word or a, sim or a symbol. Amen? In what way is a mark a, a written word or a symbol? In what way is a mark a written word or a symbol? Anyone, anyone? 
anyone. Going once, going twice. All right. <laughs> a logo, we're going to go into that a little bit here. A logo, if anyone sees the golden arches, the golden arches immediately tell you what? Mickey D's. Amen. You know the little, there's some electric vehicles nowadays. In the, in the front of the vehicle, there's like a T, right? What does the T let you know? Even if you didn't see the T on the vehicle, if you saw the T on the sign, you knew that, that it was a Tesla, right? So this is a, 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 a mark is a written word or a symbol on an object. And typically, it is used for identification purposes. I was in the international logistics for many years. And uh, on the goods that we would import and export uh, in order to pass through U.S. customs or any other customs from any other nation, the goods had to be marked externally with the country of origin. And uh, whenever you saw the marks of whatever country that that a particular good or product was exported from, you knew where that product was coming from or the origin of that product. You might be familiar with the different marks of origins uh, known as made in the USA or made in China or made in Taiwan. These are different marks on an object that identify it. Amen. Amen. So it is a stamp. It is a brand. It is an initial it is a name. A mark is a name used to identify an object, a person, a place, or a thing. Amen. The third uh, definition I'd like to uh, propose and introduce uh, for mark is that it is noteworthy. Uh, it, 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 it denotes, right, and highlights a noteworthy quality. A noteworthy quality or a feature on a thing. All right, so this is the definition of a mark. And if we go back to our story where um, Stanley Jones goes back and he recounts his, uh, his, his, his visit with Mahatma Gandhi, uh, this is what Mahatma Gandhi didn't see in Christians. He didn't see the mark of a Christian. He didn't see the impression that Christ left on them. He didn't see any identifiable characteristics or traits or stains or impressions on their lives. Amen? Amen. So let's continue and let's define what a disciple of Christ is. This may seem a little elementary, right? But I think it bears repeating to go over uh, these definitions. Because if we're going to use the words, it's very important to understand what exactly it is that we are talking about uh, when we are uh, uh, using titles and themes such as the marks of a disciple. So what, did it, what does it mean to be a disciple? A disciple is a believer who follows Christ for the purpose of learning from Christ how to be like Christ. Amen? Can we, can we all say that together with, uh, 
what a disciple of Jesus Christ is? Amen. Amen. On the count of three, a dis- one, wait, wait, on the count of three, one, <laughs> two, three. A disciple is a believer who follows Christ for the purpose of learning from Christ how to be like Christ. This same disciple then offers his own imitation of Christ as a model for other believers to follow. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. So we see here that even in the life of Paul, we have a pattern of not only how to be a disciple, but also how to disciple other believers in Christ Jesus. Amen? And we'll be going into that a little bit uh, further here. But it's quiz time. Turn to your neighbor right now and tell them it is quiz time. I know you didn't study. I know you didn't come to the class. I know you're not prepared to take this quiz. I don't know about you, but when I was going to school, um, elementary school, middle school, high school, we had pop quizzes. And no one was ever prepared for the pop quizzes. But this, this is going to be a pop quiz. It's going to be a very simple pop quiz. And as I mentioned before, uh, the questions here are designed in such a way to turn the guns of criticism inward. And, and the lens of criticism inward. So that we can begin to see where it is that we are at in our disciple slash discipleship journey. Amen? Because this is a journey. So below is a list of questions. Below is a list of companies slash organizations. Next to it, write what this company or organization is known for. All right? Now, I saw this little exercise in a, in a video that I was uh, watching preparing for this class. And I, I like the exercise so much that I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal it from this particular pastor. And I'm going to share it with uh, you all tonight. And the reason why I did it is because when, when I went through the motions of this, I was very convicted in my heart. Amen. I was convicted because... With these questions, with this line of questioning, I was able to see where I was in this journey of discipleship. And I just pray that as we go through this, you'll be able to see as well. And, now, and, and, and when you identify where you are at in your discipleship journey, you'll be able to make adjustments. You'll be able to make concrete and firm decisions, amen, that will put you on track, Right? In this discipleship journey. All right. So next to uh, the name of the company or the organization, write there what it is known for. So the first one is which one? Coca-Cola. What is Coca-Cola known for? Write it down. Write it down. What is Coca-Cola most known for? It is known for? Coca-Cola, right? The Coca-Cola is not only the brand, but it's also the drink, right? And so the next one, the next one is Colgate. 
Colgate, what is Colgate known for? Colgate is a company, they make many products, but only one stands out as the product of products. Colgate, toothpaste, amen, write it down. Write it down. We mentioned uh, Tesla a little bit, so we'll skip right over that. The next company or organization is Starbucks. What is Starbucks known for? Coffee. Coffee. Uh, I don't know about you, but whenever I go to Starbucks, I only order one thing. Adopio. That's it. It can be 105 degrees outside. I'm ordering Adopio. Adopio is a double shot of espresso. <laughs> Adopio is a double shot of espresso. So, yes, Starbucks is known for coffee. Coffee. Are you writing these down next to uh, the names of the companies and the organizations? Okay, so write them down. It's going to be very important. The next name of the company is Apple. What is Apple known for? Applebee's? No, not Applebee's. Apple. Apple is known for what? Can go ahead and write it down. The next one is Rolex. What is Rolex known for? What is Rolex known for? Amen. And the last one. And this is where Mahatma Gandhi really took a step back and. Um, really gave Stanley Jones a pause to think about. I believe that Stanley Jones's ministry and uh, mission as an evangelist and missionary to India, uh, right here in this meeting with Mahatma Gandhi, was a pivotal point in his ministry. What are Christians known for? What are Christians known for? What are Christians known for? What does the outside world say when they look at the church? What does the outside world say as people looking outside in? What do they say that Christians are? So write it in there. And I want you to extract yourself from the situation. And I really want you to think about this. All right? Try to put yourself in the world's shoes, in the unbeliever's shoes, of the person who is not a believer in Christ Jesus, who is not a Christian, who's standing on the outside of the four walls of the church, looking in, and try to answer the way they would answer. I, I went through this exercise and I was convicted. And uh, you know that you will be doing this, you did this exercise correctly in the spirit that it was meant to do if you're convicted as well. So as an outsider looking in, what do, what do people say that Christians are known for. Unfortunately, it's sad to say, many outsiders would say, what? I want to hear some answers at this point because you all wrote something down. Yes. 
What was that? All right, I, I need to, yeah, please give her the, because that's a very good answer. Hypocrites. Thank you, Carol. So you would say, if, for those who are from the outside looking in, they would say Christians are known for being hypocrites. Okay. Anyone else? Let's have two or three more. Sister Fola? I think people will say that Christians are judgmental. Judgmental. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. Wow. Anyone else? I think Pastor B had her hand up. I just, um, yeah. No. <laughs> you recused yourself. <laughs> yeah. Mm hmm. Right. Right, right. <laughs> and see that, and, and, but I, I, can, uh, let's, just one moment. Did, did you hear what Pastor B said? Can, can we just give Pastor B the mic real quick? And, and we'll come back to you, uh, my sister. I said people will say Christians go to church. Christians go to church. And, and, and when you said that, what came to my mind immediately was, so what? Right was like that would be yeah. the typical yeah, answer of a number. So you just... go to church. So what? Right? Yeah. Oh my goodness. So yes, you were going to say the same thing. Wow! Thank you for your honesty. So here's another question, and I don't want to make this a public. Uh, this portion of the questioning, I don't want it to be public, but I still want you to write it down. I still want you to look inwardly. And write it down. The question is, what are you? What are you, Carol? What are you, Brother Maya? What are you, Brother David? What are you, Brother Hubie? What are you, Brother Paul, Pastor Paul, Pastor B, Pastor G. Dave? What are you, Brother Michael? What are you as a Christian, not what you would like to be known for, but when an unbeliever looks at your life, what would you say that they would say that you are known for? What would they say? Write it down. This part of the questioning is between you and God. And if you're home uh, watching by uh, internet, Facebook, or YouTube, welcome to tonight's uh, Bible class. Uh, this exercise is for you as well. This exercise is for you as well. What are you known for? Right? This, this, this kind of hits differently, right? It kind of hits differently. It's... It's... it's uh, it's one thing for you to have a, an opinion about yourself. It's another thing to allow the scriptures uh, to be used as a lens of criticism, right? So that, so that you can see where you are, what state you are in, what your condition as a believer is or a disciple of Christ is. It allows you to see where you are at in this discipleship journey. So if an outsider looking in Observing your life, what would they say that you are known for? All right, do we have at least one brave person who wants to share with us? One brave person. 
Okay. If, if there is a brave person, just let me know and I'll stop. Okay. And so we, we kind of went into the second question. What are Christians today known for? All right. So for the next two Wednesdays, we'll be diving into the topic, the marks of a disciple. In the believer's life, the, the marks of a disciple refer to the characteristics that identify a person as a follower of Christ. One of the challenges of today's Christianity is that it is far removed from the Christianity we see played out in the pages of the New Testament. This is problematic because this keeps us from fully representing and looking like the Christ that we say we follow. Amen. It's very important that if we preach Christ, that we reflect Christ as best as possible. From the inside looking in, we seem like we have it all together, right? We come to church, the nice carpet, beautiful building, we have all the technology, we have all the para ministries, you know, uh, our praise and worship team is, is, sounds very professional, it sounds very, you know, coordinated and beautiful and anointed, right? We throw around these words, anointed, Right? But that's from the inside looking in. That's from the inside looking in. And, and from the inside looking in, many times we, we you know, we, we, we grade ourselves on a curve, right? We, we're, we're, we're very gracious with ourselves when we, when we look from the inside looking in. Amen? Uh, we think we have it all together because we fill our time with church activities and various spiritual disciplines like prayer, Bible class, Bible study, praise and worship, service, which is nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. The Lord calls us and commands us to engage in these spiritual disciplines. But when the outside world looks inside the church, they say, so what? What is the big deal here? What's the big deal? It's just a group of people getting together and praising and singing and worshiping. And then they sit down and listen to a sermon. And then they go home. And then six days pass by and they start it all over again. So what's the big deal? You have fellowship in church. I have fellowship once a week at the bowling alley or at the bar or at the at the at. At, at, the, at the Elks Club or at the Knights of Columbus. You have fellowship there, I have my own fellowship. What's the big deal? And it's this very reason that uh, explains why we are not impacting the world around us the way and at the rate that we should be. That we should be. So here's another question, okay? And here we can participate, all right? Because we're not gonna put, our, we're not gonna put ourselves on the spot, right? Not, not tonight. So, with your understanding, right, as a Bible student, as one who reads the scriptures and studies the Bible, what should Christians be known for? What should a Christian be known for? Anyone, Sister Carol?
We should, we, we should be known for um, being an exact example of the life of Christ. Amen. Jesus. Amen. Amen. Anyone else? And by the way, that right there is a very good answer. Very good answer. I think we also should be known for our love, even for those who are um, enemies or against us. Mm, amen. Yes. That's right up there in the top 10 answers. Yes. I think the, one of the things that really comes to my mind is bring us of peace. So amen. whatever we're carrying should be the solution for anything and everything that people, you know, find around. Right? Mm -hmm. Thank you, Sister Fola. Anyone else? One or two more. Sister Rosalind in the back? Or, yeah. um, Christians should be known for bringing people a message of relief um, because we know the type of world that we live in. So we should be able to share a message that uh, takes most of the burden off. And I think of um, Matthew 11, verse 30, where Jesus is saying that his, um, his yoke is easy and my burden is light. So if we're able to do that to people at least... That's one aspect that we can help. Amen. Thank you, Sister Russell. Yes, my brother. And I think overall, we just want to have that Christ-like uh, personality. Amen. All right? Amen. We don't want to, you know, hold on to our individual personality, but rather, you know, take on the personality of, and, uh, of God. And I think with that, we'll end it right there. Would you mind, uh, my brother, reading at the very top where it says, The Supreme Goal on the back of the uh, study note? Or the class notes, the supreme goal. No, we don't have a, we don't have sound. Give me, give me one second, my brother, yeah, because we definitely need to be able to uh, hear you. All right, so I'll, I'll read it, and we'll come back to you, my brother, okay? The supreme goal of a disciple of Christ is to become like their teacher, is to become like their teacher inside and out. Notice I didn't say outside and in. I said inside and out because this is a divine work of God that only God can do and God could affect in the life of a believer. And so the supreme goal of a disciple, our supreme goal, our supreme purpose in this life, in this earth realm, is to become like Jesus Christ, inside and out. In other words, in everything. In everything, be like Christ. In everything, look like Christ. In everything, reflect Christ. In everything, walk like Christ. In everything, talk like Christ. Love like Christ. Live like Christ. Give like Christ. Die like Christ. Matthew 4, verse 19. The Lord himself said, come. He said, come. It's an invitation and he says, follow me. That follow me means exactly that. Become like me. Be like me. Live like me. Breathe like me. Talk like me. Think like me in everything. 
inside and out. Be like me in this earth realm. And the consequence, not a negative one, of us coming to Jesus and following Jesus is that he will make us fishers of men. Somebody praise God for that right now. If you, oh, if you had any doubt of what your purpose in Christ Jesus is, it is right there in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. It is to come. It's an invitation to be with him, to fellowship with him, to live with him, to abide with him and in him. It is an invitation to follow him in the good times and the bad, when it's sunny or when it's rainy outside, on the darkest nights, in your longest hour, it's an invitation to follow him. And he will make you fishers of men. He will make you fishers of men. Let's go into four marks and we'll wrap up the tonight's Bible class. Remember that my beautiful wife, Maria Yvette, she'll be given part two of this class next Wednesday. And the first mark is that you must be born again. You must be born again. One might say that this mark is the most basic and obvious mark, and it is. It is the most basic. It is the most obvious mark of a disciple that we be born again. But it bears repeating. Can somebody please read number one? A disciple is first a believer. Brother Michael or brother, my brother Toby, right? Did I, did I, I didn't butcher your name, did I, my brother? No, it's all good. <laughs> no, no, but tell me. Kobe. Kobe. Yes, sir. My brother Kobe, please. All right. Uh, a disciple is first a believer who has exercised saving faith in Christ alone. Amen. In Christ alone, please continue. Acts 28 reads, then Peter Acts said. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Oh, 38, sorry. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. So here we see the very first mark of the believer. There is no other mark that we could even begin to talk about if we don't talk about this one first. Amen. This is first base for those who want to be this, for those who are called to be disciples of Jesus Christ, that we be born again. Because it's from this point on that we do all things, amen, in Christ and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Led by the Holy Spirit. Moved by the Holy Spirit, with the filling of the Holy Spirit, and the anointing and the divine empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Believe me, you're going to need it to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. You're going to need the anointing to be a disciple. You're going to need the filling of the Holy Spirit to be a disciple. Because what the Lord is calling you to do as a disciple of Christ, you're going to need some power from another world. Because in your human strength, you will never be able to draw and be fishers of men. In your human strength, 
The only, the best you could do is repel men away from Jesus. Amen. So that is the first mark, the very first mark. The second mark of a disciple is the following. You must love the Lord your God. Amen. Someone please, uh, Brother Myla. I don't know, I haven't heard from Brother Myla today. Brother Myla, I'm going to pick on you. You're hiding behind Sister Carol, but I, I still see you. I still see you. You don't mind, please uh, read number one under Mark number two. A disciple of Jesus loves the Lord God with all his heart, soul, and mind. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 reads, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Amen. So the second mark of a disciple of Jesus Christ is that that disciple loves the Lord his God with all his heart, soul, and mind. All his heart, all his soul, all his mind. Do you love the Lord your God? with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. Before we quickly rush and say yes, we don't have to go any further than John chapter 14, verses 15 through 23. Can we read that, please? Someone please whip out John chapter 14, verses 15 through 23. Because we don't have to go any further than this passage of Scripture to know how Jesus qualifies and defines Love for him. You might say that you love him. I might say that I love him. But do I love him according to how he wants me to love him? That's a different kind of love. Does anyone have it? John chapter 14, verses 15 through 23. God says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments Amen. and I will ask the father and he will give you another helper Amen. to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. Amen. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Amen. So how do we know that we love the Lord Jesus? How does Jesus define love for him? He defines it by keeping his commands. By keeping his commands. The kind of love that we're talking about here is not a romantic kind of love. The kind of love that we're talking about here is a love that's spurred on by a devotion to his word. A devotion to live and carry out his word, his commands. Amen? Another way or another mark of a disciple is that that disciple... Amen. Once he is following the commands of the Lord, those very commands that he's following, he's doing it all in love, out of love, out of devotion, not out of a, 
a sense of duty, though there is and there should be a sense of duty to love the Lord your God with all your heart, strength, and soul. But the primary thrust and desire behind your love for the Lord and to follow the Lord's commands is to do everything that he has commanded you to do in the spirit of love. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 14, the apostle Paul tells the Corinthians, do everything in love. Do everything in love. Everything in love. Why do everything in love? Number one, because it glorifies God. Number one, because it glorifies God. And number two, when you do everything in love, you bless those around you. You give the people around you in the circles that you walk in and live in an occasion to see Christ for who he is. My brother, Pastor Paul, to some people, you might be the only Jesus Christ they ever get to see. Make sure you do everything in love. Make sure your words are sprinkled with love. Make sure our works of uh, service are done because we love God and because we love others. So the second mark of a disciple is that the disciple loves the Lord, his God. His disciple loves his word and he, and he, and he keeps his commands and he does everything in love. Question, what does this look like in the life of, the, of a disciple? What does this look like, doing everything in love in the life of a disciple? Write it down real quick. Write it down. Write it down. What does it look like in the life of a disciple? Do everything in love. Number three is similar to this one. You must love your neighbor as you love yourself. You must love your neighbor as you love yourself. A disciple of Jesus loves his neighbor as he loves himself. Matthew 22, verse 39. And the second is like it, Jesus said. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Loving our neighbor is a mark of discipleship. It is a mark of discipleship. We cannot be a disciple of Jesus Christ if we have no love. We can't disciple anyone else if we don't do it in love and out of love for God. Without love, discipling becomes a vain exercise, an exercise in futility because what we are reproducing are other people who call themselves Christians, but there's no love in them either. We must love. We must love the Lord our God. We must love our neighbors as we love ourselves. A true disciple loves like Jesus loves, even unto death. What does this look like, even unto death, in the life of a disciple? Here I want to spend a little bit of time on in these last few minutes. This is a very... Many of Jesus' sayings, they're hard sayings, not because they were difficult to understand, but because they were hard to swallow. 
They're very simple, but they're just very hard to swallow. It's one thing for Jesus to die for his neighbor, but a true mark of a disciple is that he would die for a friend as well. Does he mean physical death, Sister Cassandra? Is the Lord talking about me dying physically for my neighbor just to show that I love him? No, I believe he is. It might be an occasion where I might have to, you know, give my life for my neighbor. There might be. But what this also means is, I'll give you an example. I know of a brother who is super busy. He's super busy. He's in ministry. He works. He has a business. He has multiple children. He has many responsibilities in the ministry. He doesn't really have time for anything else on his plate. But someone recently asked him to disciple them. This brother, I can tell you personally from, because I know him, it took him four weeks to pray about it. And he was wavering. Well, I don't have a lot of time. I already, I already do enough. And what little time I have left, I devoted to my, I, he says I devoted to my side business. But this person asked me to disciple them. This brother that I'm talking about decided to put his personal life and livelihood on the line and put that to a side to disciple the person who so humbly asked them to disciple. Would you be willing to do that? That is a type of dying to one's self so that another person can live. That is another way of decreasing so that Christ Jesus could increase in your life. Because whatever that person had to let go in this earth realm, believe me, my brothers and my sisters, it is temporary. And he chose the best portion for himself and for that person who asked him to disciple him. And in that way, even though his earthly treasure might be limited and, and start to diminish because of the time invested in making a disciple, but I guarantee you there are treasures in heaven that are awaiting him. So in this sense, when we make these tough decisions in our lives, which really in view of eternity, in light of an eternity, it really shouldn't be really difficult at all. It is in this way also that we are dying to ourselves so that others may live. The last and final mark of a disciple is the following. Well, there are many marks. It's just the final one that we're going over today in tonight's Bible class. Amen? Is anyone being blessed tonight? Amen, amen, amen. So, you know what? I just want to go back real quickly to that question. What does this look like in the life of a disciple? What would this look like in your life? To love your neighbor as you love yourself. In this context of the marks of a true disciple. And making disciples. What is it in your life that needs to be nixed? that needs to be temporarily put to the side in order to 
make a disciple. What is in your life? Maybe it's a, a time, maybe it's a vacation, maybe it's you know, the comforts of life. Maybe it's you need to put your education on pause, your career on pause. Maybe you need to not work so much overtime. Maybe that part-time that you were thinking about getting, maybe you need to put that off in order to make disciples and invest your life in the life of a disciple. I don't know what it is, but you and the Lord know what it is. And in that way, you're truly dying. You're dying. You're dying so that another person may live. You're dying so that another person may get to experience the joys and the beauties and the glories and the wonders of the Lord Jesus Christ in the very same way that you do. Amen. I just, I just feel like saying this, uh, and, and forgive me, please, if I come off the wrong way, but as I think about this journey of discipleship, that we are all in as a church. I want to tell you on behalf of God that the pastors cannot do it alone. They just, they just can't. They're limited. Not in anointing, not in spiritual maturity. They're limited because they're one person limited to a specific geographic location. But we are many. And as many, as a body, as a church, we could all affect and impact the world around us. The pastors cannot do it alone. That's why the emphasis on discipleship. Mark number four, we'll finish up with this one. A disciple is committed to the Great Commission. Can somebody please read in Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20, that portion right there at the very bottom of our class notes. It's right there. You could read it. Thank you, sister. In Matthew 28, 19 to 20, Jesus instructs his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. This biblical mandate, commonly known as the Great Commission, instructs Christians to move outward and make disciples, establishing them in faith and initiating them into fellowship. Discipleship is at the heart of the Great Commission. The Great Commission is written to the disciples, and the trust of it is to make disciples. Amen. Hence, a true disciple is committed to the Great Commission. The Great Commission reveals the priority of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When you become a disciple of Jesus, you <coughs> adopt his priorities. You will support it and advance it. Anything involving bringing new souls to the kingdom whether locally or in faraway countries, will excite you. Amen. So for tonight's class purposes, the last and final mark, and as I said, there are many marks of a disciple. There are many distinguishing traits, characteristics. There are many distinguishing, um, um, uh, as I said, uh, impressions, right, of a, uh, a disciple. But we'll end with this one. A disciple is committed to the Great Commission. What do you think the key word there is? Committed. Committed is the key word. Amen. There has to be a commitment. There has to be, um, there has to be a sense of a burden placed on our shoulders. Amen. 
if we are to carry out the Great Commission, if we are to go and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, if we are to go and baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, if we are to go and make disciples, we have to be totally committed. We have to be totally invested in this uh, command that the Lord makes to each and every one of us. Amen. And right there, I don't have a question there at the very end, but I want you to write on the sheet of paper here what it is that you would have to change and do in your life to make this commitment to the Great Commission a reality in your life. What, it is that you, what is it that you have to do? What are the changes that you have to make? What are some of the skills and abilities that you have to start developing? All right? Because disciple-making is a skill. You don't, you're, no one's born knowing how to do it. You have to learn how to make disciples. What are some of the things that has to change in your life? Maybe you have to devote more time to study, to reading, to reading books about discipleship. And not just spending time studying and reading, but actually doing. I got news for you. In the beginning, you're not going to be the best disciple maker. You will make mistakes. You will trip. Amen. But as you continue in this discipleship journey, you will become better and better and better. You'll become more gifted, more anointed, more apt, better skilled in becoming a disciple. Uh, a disciple maker. Amen. So right there in the last few seconds we have, write down what it is that you have to change. What is it that you have to adjust in your life to make room for this journey of discipleship? Amen. Amen. In these last few seconds, I apologize to the online audience. I uh, have not checked in with you in all this time. So please forgive me. Please forgive me. Brother Javier said that the discipleship starts with the inside and then you're outward where we reflect Christ. We have to mimic Christ. Amen. So my brothers and my sisters, I will do a much better job next time in checking in with the online audience. Much better job. My wife does a better job than me. Yes, she does. But my brothers and my sisters, these class notes, please take them home with you. Please review. Please go over the questions thoughtfully and carefully. And allow for those guns of criticism to just continue to be turned inward. And allow the Holy Spirit of God to pinpoint those areas in your life that need to uh, be adjusted and readjusted by God. Amen. Uh, so that you can continue on this discipleship journey. So that we can continue on it together as a church. Amen. So let's pray. Let us pray. And I'm going to bring this uh, Bible class to